Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I like the old song that says, Had it not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? Amen. And I'm thankful to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. And you may be seated. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that have come out today to be with us in Life Church. And I have a special gift that uh, we're going to give to each of our visitors that are here today. As has been mentioned, we have a gift for our mothers. But also, if you're a visitor here today uh, at Life Church, we have a special gift for you. It's kind of a neat deal here in the gift bag. A few little things. There's some, a thing of drinking water, some pens and stuff. But this is really cool. This is a keychain that's a tape measure. And uh, so if you're uh, working in uh, construction, you need a tape measure. And you know what? Even if you're not working in construction, you need a tape measure. I doubt if you're a construction worker if this is going to work for you. But uh, if you're a normal person, you can pull that out and use that sometime. So we want to say thank you for being with us at Life Church today. Let's give all of our visitors a hand. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, down in our uh, garden area right here on the side is uh, going to be a, a tent set up that you can go by and pick up the gift that we've got for you. We'd love to meet you before you leave today, and we're excited for each and every one who are interested in growing in Jesus Christ through Life Church. Praise the Lord. I'd also like to say uh, publicly, Happy Mother's Day uh, to my mother. It's been many years since I've been able to be with my mom on Mother's Day, and uh, so this has worked out wonderful. And, uh, uh, you know, we were kind of in a fix a little bit uh, because we live far away from our families and uh, anybody that's gone through a moving process, you know it's kind of a uh, stressful, strenuous time. And uh, we needed some help. And guess, guess who you can always turn to when you really need help? Amen. It's your mom. And I'm so glad that uh, my mother came out. My mother came out to help us and also to be with us on Mother's Day. And I say happy Mother's Day to my mom, who is probably the hardest worker on the planet. She can get more done in 20 minutes than about anybody. And we're so glad to have her with us. And I give honor to my mom today. Praise the Lord. Our sermon today is going to celebrate and highlight the importance of the role of mothers and of motherhood as well. We are uh, this week involved in an extreme home makeover, which is we have a limited amount of time to come in and make some radical, dramatic changes in our homes. And last week we started our time together um, by studying and looking at the uh, idea of gutting our home and taking out things that may be harmful and dangerous for our families. This week we are going to go a step further and we're going to talk about reframing our homes and, uh, and more specifically framing values into our home, the homes. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, Verses 5 through 7. This is one of the most well-known and popular passages of Scripture for uh, Jewish believers to study and to know. And it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Let me read that again. It says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This is the very important foundation building block of the Judeo-Christian value system. 
And uh, the Word of God declares through the writing of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy that if you want this value system to transfer from one generation to the next, you have to make a decision to impress these values upon your children. Impress the commandments that I give to you upon those that God gives to you by way of children. You are to talk of your values and of God's commandments when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That means God's value system should be a part of your lifestyle and your conversation. I don't believe this scripture is just talking about verbalizing these things. Although that's an important thing. But our conversation is more than just what we talk about. But our conversation is our lifestyle. So we're talking today about framing values into our family. Core values. Which framing something is putting the backbone and the fiber or the skeleton of something. And the backbone and fiber of our families uh, will be their mindset and their worldview. Let me talk for a minute about framing here. What you can see on the back here is a, uh, is a visual of a wall that's been framed up. It's not looking very pretty. It's not looking very completed because framing is not about exterior aesthetics. Framing is about stability and structure and having something to build upon. Now, in construction, framing is when the project is completed no longer visible. When the house is done, you cannot come and look at the framing job. It's not exterior and it's not aesthetics. However, framing is what determines the integrity of the project. They actually use the word integrity to determine the stability and strength and quality of a building. And it's not determined by how good of a stucco job is done or how fancy of shutters and windows that you put on a house, the integrity of the building is determined by the framing job. Now, construction defects in a framing job can range from foundation and framing issues which threaten the structural integrity of buildings um, uh, and uh, also aesthetic issues such as improperly painted surfaces, deteriorating wood trim around the windows and doors. These are various types of construction defects. But to focus on the defects in framing, I did a little study and I found out that if you do a bad job of framing a house, there's one particular problem that's going to happen. And it's very interesting. Poor framing can result in water penetration and intrusions or other problems, as well as poor drainage design and uh, inadequacy of structural materials can result in cracks and deteriorating roofing components and materials. The use of inferior building materials can cause significant problems, such as windows that leak or fail to perform even when properly installed. Leaking windows are a common defect, and prevention requires good workmanship. Windows leak uh, windows, le windows leaking can result from many things, including rough framing, not being flush with outside openings. Poor quality workmanship often manifests as water infiltration through some portion of the building structure. The main problem with incorrect or insufficient or inferior framing practices is water intrusion. This is what I discovered. If you don't frame a house right, one of the greatest problems is it's going to create the opportunity for later 
water intrusion. Now, we're not talking about just framing a home here, and I hope you understand uh, that this is not a construction class, and I am not by any means Bob Vila. But we're talking about framing values into your family. And so we're not talking about two-by-fours, but we're talking about values that are going to form the foundation and the structure of your family. So in order to explain that, first of all, we have to define values. What are values? A value system refers to how an individual or a group of individual individuals organize their ethical or ideological values. And a well-defined value system is what's also referred to as a moral code or a person's morals. And moral codes are often complex definitions of right and wrong that dictate personal conduct. Whatever I believe is right and wrong is going to have some effect on the way that I will conduct myself. There's a little video clip of some people who were interviewed in San Francisco. And uh, in this video clip, you'll see how they determine what's right and wrong. Maybe. How do you decide what is right and what is wrong? Uh, I don't know. I was just uh, brought up to make good decisions. Just come off the top of my head. Well, in my opinion, you never know until you do something once, so I don't know. <laughs> A lot of times I don't. <laughs> just took a guess. <laughs> I go by what I was taught when I was younger. I was raised in church, but I'm not a person that believes that we're the ones to judge. I think God does that. I suppose from inside you was to what you were taught when you were a kiddie. What was right, what was wrong. <laughs> I follow my gut. It's good for me. It's right. Society, I think, just decides a lot of that. I think that's uh, a good part of it. Analyze the situation. Feels right to me, I do it. Like morals, what have been raised. I don't know. Sorry. I don't. I don't make those kind of judgments. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't think I have an answer to it. The Bible tells me what's right and wrong. How do you decide what is right and what is wrong? I have no idea. That's the wrong person. Thinking that I'm a devout Christian, my moral beliefs are based on the Bible. So that's how I decide what's right and what's wrong. We create a mental It goes physically. Go back to the Bible. That's our basis for our morals. So you can see, and no doubt you already knew, that there are a variety of ways that people make choices and decisions and determine what their conduct is going to be. But regardless of what that is, whether they admit to the fact that they have one or not, all people have a moral code or a value system that determines their personal conduct. When you talk about moral codes, there are various types of moral codes. One of them that people say is the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. 
And they base their value system on the golden rule. Some other value systems is the noble eightfold path of Buddhism or the ancient Egyptian code of Mayat. Another one is the Ten Commandments, which is in Judaism and Christianity forms the, the core of, uh, of our belief system. Um, and uh, also the Yamas and the Niyama of the Hindu scriptures. And there's also in India the Ten Indian Commandments. These are various moral codes or uh, value systems that determine how a person conducts themselves. And I've, I've noticed that there are certain cultural um, expectations that make up a value system. If you're from a different country, there are different expectations. But today, for our purpose, the main question that we are asking is, what are the values that you are trying to establish in your families and in your home in order to frame and structure something that can be built on that's something that you can be proud of? And these values that you're trying to establish, how can you construct them in such a way as to protect from intrusion and infiltration of external elements? That's the question we're asking today. What are the values I want in my family? And how can I establish them so that there is not intrusion based on faulty framing. Now, I want you to imagine with me right now, maybe you have children, maybe you plan to have children, um, maybe you are a child, but I want you to picture, if you have children, I want you to picture your children at their current ages. And I want to ask this question. You can get a picture, mental picture of your child right now. And I want you to ask this question. What values would you like for your children to have? And I'm sure every parent has a dream of what kind of a parent they would like to be and what kind of a person you want your child to end up being. And now the question is, what things can we do to establish these values into our children? And uh, the important point that we will focus on is the fact that children learn values from the conduct of their parents. It's really difficult for me to determine that I want these particular values in my children if I don't hold those values myself. And the good things and the bad things of my character are going to show up in my children. Now, establishing core values and framing values into our children in today's generation is a great challenge. And there are reasons that our generation is more challenging for establishing uh establishing values in our kids. Now, first of all, we live in a society that's dominated by the philosophy of Hollywood. And uh, Hollywood is not too far from here. And uh, we know that television shows and movies and all of these uh, things that come from Hollywood are not just um, Neutral, but there there are agendas that we see behind many of these productions and uh, these producers, and so what we find ourselves in a society today where rather than the parents determining what the values for their children will be, there is competition with Hollywood because of things that are being presented on television shows and in movies. If a child sits in front of a television for several hours each week. And the mother and father does not spend any quality time, quality time focused on that child. Whose values do you think are going to begin to show up in that next generation? Just an honest question. Wh whose values do you think are going to begin to show up? And you may say, well, my kids only watch good things. Or 
I only let them watch cartoons or I only let them watch things that are G-rated. Uh, and, uh, and it's commendable that a person would, would, uh, uh, um, would be careful what things are watched by their children. However, advocating your responsibility of framing values into your children to Hollywood is a dangerous decision. It's a very dangerous decision. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen fires in the Hollywood Hills approaching the Hollywood side. And my wife said with her tongue firmly in her cheek, maybe God's just finally tired of all that, of all the values that they've been establishing and reinforcing. And so a great challenge for our generation is the prevalence and the overwhelming influence of television and movies. And I don't have to go into a long diatribe about all of the negative elements on television, the violence, the sexual promiscuity and uh, even the acceptance of perverse sexuality that is being promoted and promulgated by uh, television producers. We could go through statistics, uh, enough statistics to make your mind numb about the number of uh, uh, sexual acts that a child watches on television before he's the age of 12 and and the number of violent uh, crimes uh, that desensitizes them and makes it almost impossible for them to have the proper mindset to function in a peaceful society. And uh, so one of our greatest uh, greatest challenges is we're fighting a losing battle. That's why I believe it's important. Number one, if you have children, I'm, we made a decision in our home that with children in the home, we're not going to have a television in the home. Uh, because it is too difficult to control. It's too difficult. That's T-O-O. Too difficult to control. And uh, I don't want to take that chance. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take that chance that my kids reach 18 and Hollywood has a deeper impression on them than Richard Brown does or Jesus Christ does. And so that's a decision that we've made in our home and in our family. If you have a television in your home, I adjure you and challenge you to be very, very careful about the things that you allow your children to observe. And, and I don't know. It's like uh, I've used this example before. If you've ever gone to a buffet uh, and you walk through the line and you just kind of heap up your plate of everything that's available and you go to the table and you've got a plate that's this big, my mom's here today, and she knows that my dad and buffets, they're like magnetic. And, uh, but they're not good for each other. N- number one, the owner of the buffet looks over, and the, and the bar's been cleared out. And he's like, what happened? And uh, it, says not, it says all you can eat, not you can eat all. <laughs> and, uh, and it's not good for my dad as he tries to watch his weight. But buffets, it's just like a little bit of everything. And that's what... Uh, Hollywood has provided for human beings as far as our carnal nature. It's just appetite and feasting. And it's like the more I eat, the more I want. Anybody noticed that before? When you start cutting back, you don't need as much. But when you start eating, it's like, I cannot get full. I cannot get enough. The same is true with carnality and entertainment. And so this is a battle that we're fighting in an effort to frame values into our family. We're working against a very formidable foe. Not only that, but materialism in our world has created a situation where families don't have much time together because we've got to have a new home. We've got to get a new car. We've got to have new clothing. And uh, all of us are guilty. All of us are a part of the society that we live in. We have plenty. Amen? And most families' budgets, I, I heard this the other day, I can't remember where, I, I think I was with a group of pastors the other day, and I heard that in America, 
how much we budget for food is, whether it's eating out or groceries, is usually 15, maybe 20% of our budget. Does that sound about right? They say in third world countries, 90% of their income goes to feed themselves. And so they look at Americans walking through airports and they said, all Americans are rich. Say, how do you know? All Americans are fat. (laughs) They have plenty to eat. We never are lacking. But the problem is, even though we have all we need, we keep wanting more and we keep working more hours. And uh, whereas it was important to take time and spend time with your family and uh, do special things that give you opportunities to invest and impart your values into your children, those opportunities aren't there as much anymore. And these things... Hollywood, uh, television, movies, and our passion for materialism and career-oriented things have diverted time and attention from traditional pastimes that helped us transmit cultural and spiritual values to the next generation. And when we're talking about framing values into our children, let's just assume all of us are Christians. All of us are from the Judeo-Christian mindset. And these are the values that we want to establish in our children. As our kids get old and begin to function in society, there's ten things that we want to, to, to uh, uh, be obvious in their life. Number one is that they worship only God. That they don't worship anybody else. That they don't worship anything else, whether it's materialism or power or sports heroes. That they worship only God. One day a religious leader asked Jesus Christ, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus responded, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he went on to say what we read earlier, which is, I want you to impress these on your children. I want you to talk of them, talk of them when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you leave the house, when you come back. You need to put these values in your kids. You need to let them know Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, Jehovah of the Old Testament manifested in the flesh, is the most important thing in our life, and that's the only thing that we worship. Amen? And if there is ever anything that would be in conflict with our commitment to Jesus Christ, it's going to lose, because we have no competition with the Lord for preeminence in our life. I want that value in my kids. And I can't just do it with my mouth and telling them, that the Lord is the most important thing in your life. They have to pick up that value from my example. I want that value in my kids. Sometimes I make decisions in service to the kingdom of God that are things that I don't necessarily want to do. I don't wake up in the morning and say, this is what I want to do. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I'm being honest with you, okay? Sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. (gasps) Oh! I heard a story one time uh, 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 about this guy that was laying in bed and uh, his mom come in and said, Hey, wake up. You asked me to wake you up. I don't want to get up. you got to go to church today. Yeah. I don't want to go to church today. you got to go to church today. Man, I don't like nobody there. And they, they don't like me either. Come on, you got to go to church. you got to go to church. It's good for you. You need it. You asked me to wake you up. 
I don't want to go to church. Tell me one good reason why I ought to go to church. Well, uh, sweetheart, you're the pastor. (laughs) But you know what? Sometimes you just have to make a decision that these are my values and I want to transfer these values to my children. It's not about how I feel. It's about what values do I want my children to have. And so I've got to determine the kingdom of God's got to be first. And if I don't put the kingdom first, I can't expect my kids to put the kingdom first. If I put the kingdom second, my kids are going to put the kingdom fourth or fifth. Come on now, listen to me. Whatever I do in my generation is going to be worse in the next. So if I'm a fanatic in my generation, my kids can be an extreme fanatic in the next. Oh, it's not attractive. Nobody can necessarily see it when they walk in a room. But it's their value system. It's their framework. The kingdom is first. There's nothing more important than worshiping and serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In today's world, many things compete against God for our devotion. These are some of the things that can become modern-day idolatry, which is false gods, if we let them become too important to us. Excessive attention to material things such as houses, cars, clothes, jewelry, physical appearance, entertainment. These can become false gods. Pursuit of wealth, power, fame, pleasure, or status. These can become false gods. And if you find yourself in any one of these categories, I guarantee you your kids are going to watch and pick up on it. Excessive devotion to self or to your job or to your hobbies or to your country or to ideologies or heroes or leaders or even your family can become a form of idolatry. Excessive attention and devotion to any of these things can step into the place of our devotion to God and these things can become gods to us. Another thing we want our kids to pick up is that they should respect all people. After the first commandment was love the Lord with all your heart and then the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We want to raise our kids that have core values that teach them how to respect other people. As I was a school teacher, an eighth grade school teacher, I dealt with uh, 13, 14, 15 year olds. I know 15 is too old for eighth grade, but it's okay if you flunk three times. That did not know how to respect other people and did not know how to show respect to other people. And I determined that I'm, I'm, I've only got them one hour a day for one year, but I'm going to do everything I can to frame that into them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Respect all people. These are the things, when I imagine my kids, I want them to have God first in their life. I want them to respect all people. Come on now. That's what I want in my family. I want a family that puts God first and respects all people. Number three, a value that I want in my kids is humility. Humility or being humble is the quality of being courteously respectful of others. And then number four is being honest. Honesty and integrity is a core value that I want in my family. And I'm talking about getting the nail gun out in the nail. And this is not the attractive part. Nobody goes by and say, look at that beautiful framing job. They wait until the house is done. But the best and most important work is done before anybody gives any admiration to the finished product. It's when nobody's looking. And when the job's finished, they may not even see your handiwork. But the handiwork of framing values is essential and important. And don't try to come back later and reframe honesty into your kids after they're a finished product. In other words, your kids cannot see you doing shady things and you expect them not to lie to you. Honesty and integrity are held as very important values throughout the whole Word of God. And any deception 
to gain an advantage or harm another is prohibited by the Ten Commandments and other Bible passages. These are one of the values that have got to be framed correctly into our families is honesty. Another one, number five, is morality. Morality, living a godly life. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. These are things that our children, we have to forcefully and intentionally establish godliness and morality, particularly in the area of uh, particularly in the area of sexual morality. This is something that I want to value and I want to see established in my kids. I want my girls. I want my girls to get married. And when they get married, I want them to have never had sexual relations with a man. That's something that I want. That's something that means something to me. And I'm going to put that into my children. I'm going to establish that into my kids because I want them to have a moral lifestyle. This is part of the framing project that's so important to me. Number six, something from the Word of God that I want to be a part of my family's value system and framing is to be generous with time and money. I'm going to tell you right now, there were many people in this church that were very generous with their time yesterday in helping my family. And and as I said before, I want to say thank you. That is such an investment. And you know what? That's a part of a value system. There are some people that are very stingy with money and very stingy with their time. But I'm thankful. And I want that established in my kids. How do I teach my kids to be generous with time and money? I've got to give. I can't just tell them that it's important. They've got to see me giving. They've got to see me investing myself in other people and loving other people and meeting people's needs. Amen? Number seven, practice what you preach. In other words, don't be a hypocrite. Don't say one thing for people and then do another thing when the people are gone. See, your kids recognize that. I don't want my kids to be a hypocrite. Well, I better not be a hypocrite. I better not pretend to be one thing in front of these people and then be something somewhere else because... My kids are going to learn that it's okay to just kind of pull the wool over people's eyes and kind of be whatever they want me to be. Number eight, don't be self-righteous. No one is perfect. We're all sinners in one way or another. Living a moral life means taking responsibility for controlling our own behavior, not necessarily other people's behaviors. And some of Jesus' most harsh criticisms were of the Pharisees because they were self-righteous. And I want my children to grow up to be godly and moral, but to be loving and merciful. Morality doesn't require judgmentalism. You can be righteous and upright and moral and still be merciful and loving to other people. That's the amazing, amazing conundrum of true Christianity is being righteous and and godly, and not being harsh and judgmental to others, extending mercy to other people. That's the values I want my kids to demonstrate. And so I've got to demonstrate it in my own life. Number nine, don't hold a grudge. Number ten is together with number nine, forgive other people. 
This is some, You know what? If you teach your kids unforgiveness, you're setting them up for a life of misery like you're probably leading. Learn to forgive people and teach your kids how to forgive people. If you ever manifest a grudge to your children, whether it's to somebody else that did you wrong and you talk about it, and then you talk about it again, and then you t- you're teaching your kids how to do that. You're teaching your kids how to harbor resentment. Amen? You're, you're teaching your kids to practice unforgiveness, and you're setting them up for a life of misery. If you want to frame these... Bad, see, when the, when the job's done, there may be some imperfections, and the only way you can fix it is you've got to tear into it like we talked about last week. But you can raise your kids so those imperfections don't exist. Come on now. If you, if you concentrate on the framing job in the first place, you can create some children. Amen. God's give, what a wonderful responsibility to have kids. And God's given me this chance. God's given me this great opportunity to shape a life. And, it, and I wait till the product's done. And I'm like, oh no, I forgot to frame. I, I used the cheap, old, naughty, twisted pine. And now it's showing up. There's cracks and there's leaks and there's problems. And no, come on. I'm telling you right now. I'm declaring to you, those that have young children, those that are planning on having children. Hallelujah. That it's so very important to teach your kids forgiveness and not to hold grudges. So this is just a brief synopsis of the value system that I want in my children. I don't know what value system you have for your children. Maybe you want your children to be hypocrites. Maybe you want your children to say one thing and do another. Maybe you want your children to be kind of a little bit shady and be able to manipulate situations to their favor. Maybe that's what you want out of your children. There's sometimes, anybody ever heard of this saying before? Like father, like son. The acorn didn't fall far from the tree. When that's said, I want that to be said in a positive way instead of a negative way. But you know what? The acorn is not going to fall far from the tree. So if I want to frame values into my kids, first of all, I've got to let those values be a part of me. Amen? If I, miss, uh, if I miss church for every hangnail and every situation that comes up or every time I have a problem at home, then guess what? I'm transferring those values to my children. And I don't know if my kids are going to be in church or not. But I, I'm going to tell you one thing. My kids may or may not ever disappoint me by walking away from God. And, and I, I, I speak with fear here because there are wonderful people that have raised their kids right. And every child has an opportunity to make a decision. But there's one thing that my kids are going to know for sure. And that is in mom and dad's life, God is first. He's number one. The kingdom of God is the most important thing. Sister Becky, I think the reference that you were talking about today is the man of God said, uh, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. They won't depart from what? They won't depart from knowing what they should do. And that's the difference. Even though kids may stray and they may do their own thing and live a sinful lifestyle, in the back of their mind, they always know because of your example what they should be doing. They always remember what they should be doing. You know, God's not first in my life, but I can tell that that's what I should be doing because that's the way I was raised. 
That's the way that I was brought up. These were the priorities that were established in my life. So how do I get these values into my family? I want to establish, and, and maybe you've had to tear away a little bit. And last week some of us had to do some soul searching of some things that we needed to let go of, some resentment, some poison that could hurt our families. And now we want to reframe values into our home. How can I do, how can I do this? So, amen. There's three ways I want to talk to you about how to reframe values into your family. Number one is this point. Values are caught, not taught. In other words, I'm not going to be able to give you a book that you teach to your kids. And they come through this course and they have values. Values are something that they pick up almost like a virus. They've been around you. They pick up the nuances of character. And uh, I I remember seeing this before and thinking it was hilarious if it weren't so sad. Somebody is... I had a friend that uh, said, my, my mom said if she ever caught me smoking... She would beat me and ground me for six weeks. And I was scratching my head because I knew that that kid's mom was a smoker. And I can just imagine her with her Virginia Slims. Now, Billy, you remember. (coughs) If I ever catch you smoking, I'm going to tan your hide, boy, because smoking is bad for you. Really bad. See, the kids don't get that message. You're, you're not going to communicate it that way. They're, they're, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. And by the way, God didn't intend for you to smoke. If He had t- intended for you to smoke, He'd have put your nose upside down so you could be a chimney. Amen. So we frame values into our kids not by what we teach them or tell them or because we put them in a program or in a, in a particular school or, or uh, in a particular area. We are able to establish values in our kids by what we do. You know, I think it's important what you speak around your kids. It's important what you do around your kids. Because, man, they're like little magnets and they remember everything. And they bring it in and they're watching, they're observing. Why? Because they're forming their value. They're not judging you, they're forming their value system. They're not coming so they can be a critique of you, but they're trying to determine what's okay and what's not okay. What's right and what's wrong. What's acceptable and what's not acceptable. The only thing I can do is watch my mom and dad and see what they practice, see what they do. And then those values are going to be brought into the next generation as well. I, I have known of, of people who have ruined their kids' concept of God because of the way they talked about the church. Are you still with me? Because they were so free with their conversation, negative conversation about the church, about the pastor, about other saints in the church in front of their kids that by the time their kids reached the point of decision, they said, I don't want anything to do with that. Those people are all crooked. Those people are all hateful. Those people have all this problem and that problem. And then they have framed values into their kids because values are not something that you teach, but values are something that people pick up. Very interesting point here. Very interesting point. 
in, in uh, our Bible reading, as we've been reading through the uh, finished reading the book of Judges and then Ruth and First Samuel. In Judges, how many have uh, uh, enjoyed reading the story of Samson? One of my uh, favorite stories is the story of Samson in Scripture. And the interesting thing about Samson is that he had really long hair. And the reason he had really long hair is he had taken the Nazarite vow. Right, no, he wasn't a rock and roller. He had taken a Nazarite vow. It was easy top, man, with muscles. And uh, no, he, he had taken a vow and made a commitment to the Lord. But here's the point that most people don't just kind of skip over and miss. I was reading the Bible, and when God gave the promise to Manoah and his wife that God was going to bless them with a child, she was uh, uh, not able to get pregnant. She was barren. God gave her a, a promise. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said in Judges 13, verses 2 through 5, You are, are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. It says, Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Since Samson was a Nazarite, that indicates that he was not to drink any strong drink, not to touch any dead animals, and not to cut his hair. But the interesting point that I never noticed before, mothers, is that God said through the angel, I want you also to refrain from alcoholic drinks. I want you also to refrain from touching anything unclean or any dead bodies. I want you to refrain as well while the child is in your womb. Why would the Lord give that commandment? Because there's something about what is transferred from mother to child. There's something about what is transferred from parents to children. Amen? That, uh, uh, and, and the studies are rampant about all of the effects of things and choices that are made during pregnancy about what you eat and whether or not you smoke and whether or not you take drugs during pregnancy and how that's going to affect what is born from you and through you. And this child that comes is going to be affected by your actions. Amen? And then even as, you, as, a, as a woman is, is breastfeeding a child and nursing a child, there are certain things that a mother can't eat or can eat uh, if there's allergies in the system and so forth uh, to protect uh, the child because there's something about that transference, uh, something about from one generation to the next uh, that goes. And God says Samson's going to do great things for God because these values are going to be in his life. Uh, but the only way I can get them in his life is if I start with you and you can transfer from one generation to to the next. And mother, when you rock the cradle and when you nurse your child and when you bring your children up in the ways of the Lord, you are establishing core values. You are putting them in that child by what you do and by what you say and by what things are important to you, what things get you stirred up and impassioned. Amen. I, I've told a story here about my mother and I'll tell it since she's here. Uh, first of all, uh, you, you remember that when Jesus got stirred up was when they were selling merchandising in the temple. He got stirred up. He got a whip and began to drive him out. This is out of Jesus' character, but he was moved. He was stirred up. And his disciples are watching and say, now this means a lot to him. One time my mom got stirred up. One time. <laughs> one time each day. One time she got stirred up uh, because, uh, do you remember, Mom, when you found that tape in A.J.'s room? 
it was a, a, a tape, a heavy metal rock tape or something like that. Yeah, something you shouldn't have. And it was like, it, it was a, not even, it was not like the real tape that you buy. It's one that you take a copy from other tapes. And these guys don't know anything about cassette tapes anymore. They, they're obsolete, huh? So, but anyway, she found this tape and she said, come here, come here, boys, get in here. And she had a pair of scissors and she was holding them by the blades and she had the tape between the handles of the scissors. So there was the tape. And so, I don't know if it was on the table or whatever, but she started... Is, am I over telling? <laughs> She's here to keep me honest today, all right? She she was like she went off the off the chain. She went crazy. But you know what she was doing? She was making an impression. You know what I see too many parents that say, Oh, that's okay. They're just kids. Yeah, get over it. Forget about that. Come on, you need to learn how to get passionate about things that matter. You need to learn to draw a line in the sand. Amen. And and I don't think AJ got any more heavy metal tapes, I don't believe. And and we didn't mess around with them because mom established with her passion and by her intensity there that these are some things that really, really matter. These are some things that really matter. And since they matter to me, I want them to matter to you. And the only way I can do that is, number one, I can't have it in my life. And number two, when you start to get it in your life, I'm going to throw a fit. And you're going to see that this really matters. See, you can't have it in your life and then throw a fit when your kids do it. That won't work. You're not going to make an impression on them. But when you are living a life of morality and things mean something to you, and then you establish it when your kids act up, and, 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 and uh, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to go ahead and say it to you. Once your kids hit their 12th birthday, they're not on their own. Once they hit their 16th birthday, they're not on their own. Once they reach their 18th birthday, they're not on their own unless they're paying the bills. If they're under your roof, if they're eating your groceries, then you have a right to establish values in the kids. And continue establishing values. Because Samson's future victories were based on a mother's decision to let these values be impressed in her life so that those values could be transferred to the next generation. Number two point is to take time to reinforce values. Take time to reinforce values in your children. Brother Steele, I'm thankful that you're going to be teaching this class. And I want to encourage um, those of you that have children, those of you that intend to have children, I want to encourage you to make this investment of time to be in this class about growing kids God's way. As I understand, as I've observed and looked over the materials, that it is about establishing values in your kids and teaching your kids to have scriptural values from the time they're very little. And you can't start too early. And then when your kids are, are really small, first of all, getting these values in your own life and then establishing them in your family. And I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're in that uh, position that I was talking about, sign up for this class. There's only 12 spots. That's all that we're going to do at this time. And if you want to be in that, make sure you sign up today. But it's, take time to reinforce values in your kids. I think uh, one of the lost arts in America is the family devotion, which is where there are times when families get together and pray. 
and 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 they take time to put God first in their family for their kids. You know what else? There are going to be situations that come up that are teaching points. Teaching points. They give you an opportunity to impart values to your kids. No, you don't walk around with your uh, teaching persona all the time. But when there's opportunities given, teaching times, take advantage of those times to impart value and reinforce value to your kids. You know what? When you bring your kids to church, you're establishing values in your kids. And you may you may look at, at Noah there. He's, he's sound asleep under Jen's arm. And you may think, well, man, that kid's not getting anything out of this service. You know, let him go play somewhere. But you know what? Values are being established in his life while he sleeps. Are you saying he's getting this um, message through his subconscious mind and it's going to issue forth in later years? I'm not talking about that. The fact that he's here. The fact that he's here, values are being established and he's hearing things here and there. And Your kids hear things by going to church and by going to Sunday school. We heard a humorous story uh, this week. I don't know which one of the Viscaino boys it was about, but one of them um, was in the class that Sister Brown is teaching downstairs. Who was it? Abraham. Abraham was uh, uh, heard the story. How old is Abraham now? Adam, okay. Okay, there's two different stories here. There's a lot of stories about those boys. Uh, Sister Brown had uh, shown a video about the Ten Commandments, and the particular commandment was, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And afterwards, the kids are like, What's adultery? Sister Brown's like, How am I going to do this? And uh, so anyway, from what I understand, um, one of the boys was at school, and one of the parents came in and made a comment about one of the teachers, the female teachers, that's pretty attractive. That she's cute. And Adam said, uh-uh. <laughs> You're a married man. You can't be looking at other women or spending time or being friends with them. That's adultery. And... uh you know, because values are being established, and these are opportunities. Sunday school is important because it's an opportunity to establish values. Coming to church is an important opportunity because it's an opportunity to establish values of the importance and the preeminence of the kingdom of God in your life. Take advantage of these. Spend some time with your kids. Man, I, I, sometimes I feel the Lord is condemning me because I get so busy doing the work of God that I forget my kids. And I'm like, honey, let's go to the park. Let's go play at the park. Let's go play soccer. Let's go do something. Spend time with your family and you will find opportunities to establish your values. How can your kids get your values if they don't even know you? Spend time with your family. And third and final is when you finish with the framing, you don't want the water to come in and you don't want the cold air. And when you finish framing up your family's values, you don't want the values of this world or the values of Hollywood or the values of some of their wild friends to penetrate and come into their lives and begin to affect, stain, ruin, mess up the work that's been established. And so some people, in an effort to keep any of these influences from penetrating, whether in a framing situation, water or cold air, in a values framing, whether it's uh, 
some of the teenage angst, some of the attitudes and activities, habits. I, want, I don't want this to come into my kids' lives. And some people feel the only approach is to isolate their kids, take them and, and, and uh, basically never expose them to anything other than their value system. And uh, uh, this may in some cases work, but I feel like it's an unnecessary action and may even leave your kids vulnerable when they move into adulthood. Just like if you take a kid and you put them in an absolutely sterile environment where there are no types of bacteria or viruses or anything, they're never going to get sick. But as soon as they go out into society, they will have built up no, absolutely no uh, no tolerance, no, no immunization against these sicknesses and disease and bacteria that are prevalent in society. So by isolating your kids, do you do them a service? By isolating your kids, are you giving them the best chance for success? You may have an 18-year-old that's never been exposed to anything, but unless you want a 34-year-old still sleeping in your house eating your groceries, they're going to have to go out and live in the real world sometime. So how can I have my kids be in this world? And how can I frame values into them in such a way that there's no penetration of outside influences and sinful influences? And I heard a pastor say this one time, and it's powerful. And it works with our illustration. Don't isolate your kids. Insulate them. Don't isolate your kids. Insulate your family. That means with the values that you have established, by establishing values and having godly influences in their life, like a youth pastor, and like Sunday school teachers and Sunday school directors and, and like small group leaders and, and these other uh, godly people in their life. And, and by establishing these values, what you're doing is you're insulating them against the influx and the flow of carnality and sinful tendencies and habits. You can insulate your kids against the outside attacks of the enemy. And what I'm encouraging you to do is by bringing your kids to church, by teaching them values, by your lifestyle and activities, you are insulating them from the world. So they can go out in this world but not be a part of the world. They can go out into darkness and not pick up darkness but show the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? Show the glory of God. And in this next generation at Life Church, I believe Life Church is going to go from roughly 130, 150 people to over 1,000 people in the next generation. But that's not going to happen because of marketing schemes. That's not going to happen because of sermon series. That's not going to happen because of any of these things that may contribute towards a marketing concept. That's going to happen because we have kids that are insulated, that know how to live in this world, but, be a, but know how to be a light in this world. That's going to happen because we've got moms and dads that are raising kids that are well-adjusted Christians that don't feel miserable about living for God but are excited about the fact that Jesus is on the inside. And these core values have been established. These core values have been anchored in their lives. Amen? And this world will be impacted. This world's looking for something real. Amen? There's enough broken homes. Amen? There's enough broken families. There's enough broken hearts in this world. And they're looking for something that's real. And when they see our families... Let them see a true example of Christianity and godliness, not because of what we show on the exterior, 
Not because when people get around, we begin to uh, demonstrate our Jesus speak and we have a chrome fish on our car and our, our, our uh, position on abortion is, uh, is shown on the bumper sticker. It's because of what's on the inside. It's because there's some core values that are established that help in guiding our decision-making process. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, Life Church is only going to be as strong as our families are. Amen? Life Church can only be as strong as our families are. And our family's morality is based on our decisions. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want us to stand together right now. I thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord today in Life Church. And I'm challenging you. I'm challenging every family. And you may be a single person right now, but I'm challenging you before you get married. You may be married without children. I'm challenging you before you have children. I am challenging you to say, I want to put values in my family. And I can't abdicate that to Hollywood. I can't abdicate it to the Sunday school teacher. I've got to establish values for myself in the life of my kids. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to say thank God for my mother, for her establishing values. You see, in reality, my father, is a great man of God, but my mother had more to do with shaping my values than my father did. You know why? Because she was there all the time. She was there raising us, and my values were established by her decisions, and I'm thankful for that. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to move over close to someone right now. We're going to pray with one another before we're dismissed today. But before we do, I want to tell you that the greatest thing that you can do To frame values into your family. Values of self-control, patience, love, honesty, faithfulness. The greatest thing you can do is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, or the evidence that the Spirit is living in you, After the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, there's a future evidence. The fruit of the Spirit. See, if the fruit of the Spirit is in your life, then those values are going to be established in your children. If you just try to do it by taking control of your problems and your vices, you're only going to be so effective. But if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to frame values into your kids because you've got a great partner. Without the Holy Ghost, you're working alone. With the Holy Spirit, you have God in you, giving you the power to live a life that's worth being followed. And you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is a Spirit-filled church. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. I'm not sure, but I think somebody already received the Holy Ghost here today during this service. Am I right? The Holy Spirit was poured out right here during our prayer service. One person received the Holy Ghost for the first time in this house today. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you must repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you and say, I want to live a new life. You you can make a decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus in water. You must be baptized in Jesus' name in water because that's what the Bible says. And then the promise is you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. But more important than that, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you'll be able to frame values into your family. June the 3rd. June the 3rd, right here, we're having a Holy Spirit baptism service. I want to encourage you to come back. 
We're going to focus on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to believe for a number of people to be filled with the Holy Ghost on June the 3rd. I want you to reach over and let's pray for one another right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our brothers and sisters that are here today, Lord God, that you brought into our midst. Lord, I'm praying, dear God, for their families and for their homes, Lord. They may not have children. They may not have a spouse now. But decisions they're making today will affect whether or not they're able to frame values into their family. God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, in their life, give them the guts to put you first, Lord Jesus. Give them the God-ordained priorities to put nothing in front of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Let them be, Lord Jesus, passionate for honesty and integrity. God, let them be drawn close to You and through Your Word, let their life be transformed so that the fruit of the Spirit is manifest in their life. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, You know who their future mate is going to be. God, You know the children that You're going to bless them with. And I'm praying, Lord, God, hallelujah, that You would help them frame values into their own life. Lord, there are people in this house today who weren't brought up in a good atmosphere. There are people who are here today that picked up some bad things from their parents, some bad tendencies. But God, the miracle of the cross is that we don't have to repeat the mistakes of our parents. <laughs> the virtue of the blood that you shed is that I don't have to keep living the way I'm living. But God, your blood can cleanse me and purge me and give me a brand new life. Jesus, I pray for my brother right now, Lord God, and my sister in this place. Jesus, I'm praying, Lord God, hallelujah, Lord Jesus, that you would give them that new life in you. That all the crooked studs and all the messed up framing job that maybe their parents did, through the blood of Jesus, you can come in and make them a new creature, Lord. You can put your law in their heart, Lord Jesus, and you can make them over again. And I ask that in Jesus' name. I ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray right now for every single mother, Lord Jesus, that's in the house or associated with the church. I pray, God, that you would give them strength, Lord. I pray that you would help them. I pray that you would be a partner with them, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord God Almighty. I pray for every mother here, Lord Jesus, with unsaved children that's praying for their kids. I pray that you'd give them faith to believe, Lord God, for the miracle of salvation for their kids. Hallelujah. I pray for every mother that's here, Lord God, that you would give them strength and let them be blessed. I pray through the power of your Spirit in the name of the Lord. And God, we pray for our lost kids. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would have mercy on them, Lord God. Hallelujah, that you would bring them back to the ark of safety. And even if I didn't raise them right, Lord God, now I've put you first. And let that make an impression on them, Lord God, that there's been a change in my life, that you're now on the throne, dear God. I pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Let your comfort, Lord God, let your peace, Lord God, let the prodding of your Spirit that brings change be in this house and evidence I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now let's thank the Lord for answering our prayers let's thank the Lord for hearing our prayers and responding to them hallelujah 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 in the name of the Lord amen that's it let's give him a hand he's worthy Jesus you're a great God Jesus, you alone are worthy of praise. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. I want to thank you for being at Life Church today. And I'm thankful for what we feel in this place right now. And we're going to be in a spirit of revival, stay in a spirit of revival. The month of June, we hope to go into revival services again with Brother Marks, if the Lord is willing and uh, makes it uh, possible and available. Invite somebody out. Use your vitamin cards. Bring them out. This is a great chance to, in, to introduce them to Life Church. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Korean Bible Studies at 3 o'clock. Servicio en Español a las 5. God bless. Oh, yes, I want to remind you, too, if you're a visitor today, first-time visitor today, stop by right outside the church here at the Garden Center and receive your free gift. Also, all of our mothers, if you can go, when you go out the door, mothers, go to the right and go to the right again before you go to your car. We have a special gift for you. God bless you.
Newbies to When you want to <laughs> turn it off, just go mute. Back on when you want to speak. Uh. Hi, Cambodia. <laughs> 